0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. It's 30 with Murdy, with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the opening of a spring training edition of 30 with Murdy. It's warm in Tampa. Those of you stuck in the snow probably don't want to hear that, but it's true. If it makes you feel any better, it rained most of the day Wednesday, but temperatures will be back into the 70s as pitchers and catchers begin workouts officially on Thursday. In this episode, we will hear my conversation with Yankees pitching coach Larry Rothschild. Getting his thoughts on the guys who are projected as his top two starters, Luis Severino and James Paxton could be the 1-2 combination at the top of the rotation if they continue to trend upward, to borrow a phrase from Brian Cashman. Before we get to that chat with Larry, here are a couple of quick takeaways from Aaron Boone's opening press conference. One of the reasons the Yankees believe they are improved from a year ago is about who can play better, not just who they acquired. Gary Sanchez is first and foremost among the players the Yankees need to bounce back in a big way producing offensively, defensively and staying healthy. Those are three things that Sanchez didn't really accomplish last year. 26 year old catcher had surgery in the offseason on his left shoulder, an injury that wasn't revealed until after the season and could explain away some parts of his 2018 performance. So as Sanchez enters spring training with the hopes that he's able to be the player the Yankees believe him to be, Boone sees a player that is both healthy and hungry. He started by explaining that Sanchez's recovery from surgery Helps to put him in a better place.
1: I, I think it certainly helps, and, and to see, you know, how he's kind of evolved over the last month from his progression from 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 that surgery. He's doing really well. Um, you know, his body's in really good shape. Um, I think he's going to have a great year for us on both sides of the ball. I'm really excited about his frame of mind right now. And, uh, and we're counting on and expecting him to go out and be a great player for us. You know what, I just think he's a year more mature. I think going through some of the things he went through last year, I've said this a lot with you guys, is you know, bumps in the road, struggles, especially as a young player, um, can be great things in the in the grand scheme of things for a career especially when you're as talented as a guy like Gary and there's no question that I think the things he went through last year physically um, I think will benefit him going forward and I just you know I I've spent some time with him this offseason season. I went down to the Dominican <coughs> spent some time in the the conversations I've had from him, I feel like there's. It's a young player that's another year along, another year mature, and, and a guy that, frankly, is very hungry to go out and, and show the world how good a player he is.
0: Didi Gregorius is another player coming off an injury who is super important to the Yankees and their chances in 2019. But after having Tommy John surgery in October, his return will be delayed until the summer. The Yankees originally looked at Didi's return as anywhere from June to August, and Boom it only confirmed that's still the same general time frame. But the Didi's recovery is going smoothly so so far.
1: Well, I, all I'll say is that he's doing really well. Um, his last um, doctor's checkup was whatever last week or 10 days ago in in New York where he was cleared to start his throwing program uh he still won't hit uh you know at least with two hands start swinging a bat um I think for three or four more weeks but he's doing really well you know you know he's listening to to you know, the progression and, and being smart about it. But he also, in the, his mind and, and knowing who he is, you know, he's like, let's go. I want get, to get this thing going. So um, I hate giving a timeline because we'll let the thing play out. Um, you know, I, I think our original was anywhere from two to four months, maybe into the season. He certainly seems at least on that pace. Um, and, and he's in he's in really good shape and progressing the way he should be. So uh, we're optimistic that, you know, he's going to play a, hopefully a significant amount of the season for us. But to put a time on it still at this point, that's probably a little early.
0: Some other injury news, Jacoby Ellsbury, after recovering from hip surgery, is now dealing with plantar fasciitis and will not be in camp until March. He is then expected to start the season on the injured list, which would open the door for Clint Frazier as the fifth outfielder at worst. CC Sabathia is a little behind after his heart issues, still a couple of weeks away from throwing his first bullpen session here. Boone believes Sabathia is going to be able to start the season on time, but it does call into question how deep this Yankees rotation is. Boone ran down some of the in-house candidates that will most certainly see some action as fill-ins.
1: You're talking about Domingo Herman, um, uh Chance Adams, you know Michael King, who's you know come onto the scene a, little, a lot. Um, And then guys that will emerge along the way that you don't necessarily account for, you know, and Luis Sessa, who, you know, maybe is ticketed for our pen in a lot of ways, is a guy we know is capable of going out and starting as well. So we feel like we have a lot of internal options and a lot of internal options that, especially in a fill-in role, are capable of being very good pitchers for us.
0: Michael King probably should come off of that list for now. Boone later reported that King has been shut down until next month due to an elbow issue. We will see if that turns into anything more significant. Meanwhile, Jordan Montgomery feels good and said he's looking forward to pitching again this summer. Montgomery had Tommy John surgery last year and has June as a target date. 14 months removed from surgery at that point and hoping to be pitching again at Yankee Stadium then. At the top of the rotation is Luis Severino, who Boone said is pretty likely to be his opening day starter. No big secret there. Severino's 2018 season started brilliantly and then took a sharp turn. Fatigue was a factor for the 24-year-old. Tipping pitches became a topic that raised some eyebrows too. To learn more about Severino's ups and downs last season, plus what he can do to take the next step as a number one starter, I sat down with Yankees pitching coach Larry Rothschild. We also discussed the addition of James Paxton. My first question to Larry is about the up and down nature of Severino's 2018 season and what his view of that was.
2: Well, I think uh, there's a lot of uh, different pieces in that equation. I think uh, one of them is he went through a normal process that uh, guys had uh, accelerated their innings the second year. Uh, a lot of guys have gone through it for seven, eight, nine starts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a process that some of it will take care of itself and that, you know, he's gotten through it now. Usually after the two years uh, where you, you've you amassed innings, it, it gets a lot uh, better, you know, the third year. So that's part of the equation. Um, part of it, you know, there's there's uh, conjecture about him tipping pitch- pitches, uh, and there's some truth to it, but it's uh, somewhat inconsistent. You know, it's more consistent during a game, but not from game to game. Um, so, uh, we've taken a pretty good look at that and a lot of other stuff. I mean, I think part of it was the first half, um, he had a little bit of luck, and he was really good, but there was still some luck involved in the second half he had he had no luck. So that's part of it. And I, I don't coach to be lucky or not be lucky. So I gotta look at the stuff that's more concrete and, you know, the the uh, area of of the pitching that, you know, where he has to get better more consistently and, you know, the second half I didn't think he located his fastball as well. Um, I thought the slider was a little more inconsistent but I think some of that's due to the fatigue, Um, and it's not fatigue in a sense that, you know, my arm's really heavy or I'm dragging, it's just that it's not quite the same. And when you pitch at the level he did the first half, when there's a drop-off, you know, it's really noticeable.
0: He was just telling us that it was more like when you get to that point of the year where it feels like five days isn't enough, where maybe you just need an extra day just to feel like you have the same normal stuff
2: right yeah and you know we gave him extra days uh at times but i think there's a point at which when you do get get there uh extra time a few days isn't going to make the big difference um so i think that was part of it but uh some of the good things that come out of this is that he has gotten through the two years healthy um i think he's learned from this um that you know when things are good uh, it's really important to, to key in and make sure they stay good and take care of the little stuff that, that uh, happens as it go well when you're pitching well and you have to make sure that when you're not that you get back to some of those basics um, but he, he's, he worked through it um, and really attitude wise he, he really fought you know he, he really did all the way through the whole season so I think uh, that's a really good thing to see with a young pitcher
0: when you when you mentioned tipping pitches and people talking about it it's something that everybody kind of tiptoes around because nobody ever wants to admit that it's happening or call attention to it how can, i mean can you even tell us how far back you've been aware there was a problem that needed fixing well
2: um first of all i i think this has been under a microscope with him you know so i don't know if people dance around it because they kind of pounced on it really mm-hmm. uh but it goes back I mean we've noticed it throughout his major league career off and on um, and he'll correct it and then during a game it'll it'll you know and and in today's world with the cameras and uh, all the focus that that teams are able to have on you know a pitcher it doesn't take long it really doesn't take long it used to be you know it would take a game or two for a team and he changes from game to game and you know, we adjust it and then uh, it creeps in again a little bit. But uh, there's a lot more factors involved in that. I think, you know, if you look at the reality of the situation is probably 60 or 70 percent of the time, hitters know what you're throwing. I mean, you know, they just, it, it's not that big a secret all the time. So there's a lot of matchups and games where, you know, he knows you're throwing a fastball, you know, you're throwing a fastball. 12-year-old Johnny up in the upper deck knows you're throwing a fastball. You just have to execute it. So that's a part of that equation, too, is, you know, if you focus on the execution, even if they know what's coming, you probably have a pretty good chance of getting a hitter out. So a lot of things come into play there.
0: I've also looked at it, and I'm sure you kind of, you know, take this a little personally, too. It, it always appears to be an indictment on everybody around the pitcher, including the pitching coach, when this is a subject. It doesn't mean that you haven't seen it or tried to fix it. All that and getting the player to fix it, those are all separate things, aren't they?
2: Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you got to make sure that things are taken care of. I, I don't really worry too much about what people think I'm doing or not. I, I have to take care of my business and be comfortable with what I do. and uh, So I'm not concerned with that part of it. It's, it's uh, more or less taking care of it and seeing it. and You know, it, it's not my strong suit to tell if a guy's tipping pitches. But there's a lot of people around that uh, you go to and have them look at it, and then I'll do side by sides and stuff. And you know, but during a game, it's for me, it's hard to see. So I have other people look at it, and you know, and it's really a hard correction to make during a game for a pitcher. You know, if he's going good, you know, what, like, wh- what does he change? You know, and and are you willing to take a risk of changing something and him not being able to execute pitches, and then. If things aren't going well, you know it's more drastic and it's probably more out of necessity. But does it make does it, you know if he's writing the ship, does it give him a better chance to write it, or is it going to affect him negatively? That those are all things that come into play. But I think at the end of the day, if if we just take care of it and it's consistently done, and, and then you know it'll all go away.
0: He turns twenty-five, like very short order here, and I'm I was looking recently at all the things he's accomplished and done already compared to other elite pitchers in the game at that same age. I mean there's a couple that weren't even in the big leagues by the time at, at this time right. in their careers. So I mean, you mentioned before a microscope and I think he's under that because of who he pitches for and the world we're in. But he's already put himself in a level that I think a I think is hard for a lot of people to accept. What does he need to do, do you think, to just take that one extra step to, to being truly one of the top number one pitchers in the game?
2: Well, he, he's, it, it's going to have to be what every pitcher that becomes a top pitcher or athlete, and you, take, you, you consistently perform at a very high level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this year is going to be important because, you know, he's gone through the good years and, and then he went through the bad uh, half last year. And, you know, he struggled before in the major leagues when he first came up. Mm -hmm. But you look at, you know, the perspective for me is you look at the base of work that he's put together at a young age, and it's pretty impressive. And I don't think you can lose sight of that um, if you're coaching him. You know, I know fans, you know, it's more day-to-day and start-to-start. But for me, it's a perspective to give to him that, you know, uh, look, you've pitched pretty well throughout your career we want to get better of course and we want to make sure that it's a consistent high-level performance um, and that's what we're after so uh, but really keep a perspective on what you've done
0: fortunately for you James Paxton was acquired early in the offseason so you've had a lot of time to get familiar with him and what he brings I know so many people who are excited about his potential here what have you seen and whether just what you studied from him what you've talked to him over the course of the last couple of months
2: well it, it, there's a lot of positives um you know he's been down here probably now for uh close to three weeks and done some sides and uh it's impressive to watch uh you know and i i've always uh when i've seen him pitch been impressed with the stuff and um now that i've met him and talked to people uh there's a lot there you know and and the biggest thing, he's had some freak injuries, um, you know, and how do you avoid those? I, you know, you just, I guess, he's due for a streak of luck for the next whatever here, and not to, not to have those freak injuries. But uh, the other injuries you have to protect against and make sure that uh, this is a guy that, uh, for me, if he can get to the 200-pitch uh, area, innings pitch in a year, uh, he's going to perform really well. Um, the stuff is there. Uh, his knowledge of the game is there. His knowledge of himself is really good. So I think there's a nice ceiling for him that uh, if we can reach that potential, we're going to have a, a really nice piece to the, to the whole pitching staff.
0: He's, he's ideal. The, the package that he brings is ideal to fit at the top of the rotation with a guy like Severino, what everybody seems to be looking for, right?
2: Yeah, he should be. I mean, he's, he's got a chance to, to perform as well as uh, some of the top pitchers in the game. Uh, and really the consistency and the health are the the two things but uh... he's diligent uh... you know from what people have told me and i watch watching tape of him he's a tough competitor when he's on the mound and you know he certainly has the quality of pitches to perform well
0: i got one other one for you um, you were a coach with the reds in nineteen ninety when they put together the super bullpen uh... the nasty boys when, when you saw that and saw it work the way it did and it led to a world championship for you and the Reds, did you think at the time you were seeing the future of the game or did you think that it was just something that happened to work there? Because it seems like that's where everybody seems to want to build now. You do need some elite starters to get to the finish line, as we saw the Red Sox do, but it seems everybody wants what happened you know, all those years ago and it's more of a prime factor in today's game.
2: Well, baseball is kind of a copycat sport um, with organizations and uh, things that happen. You know, other teams Mm -hmm. will chase it. But uh, with the Nasty Boys that year, I I think, one, in in most situations, the guys with the good stuff were your starting pitchers. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just happened on that staff, uh, you know, and there were good starting pitchers. But the guys with the absolute best stuff were the three guys in the bullpen, and I think credit to Lou Piniella who managed that team brilliantly. No, um, knew that right away. He he put it in his mind during the winter, and I think uh, his thought process was we're going to play five and six inning games, and um, you know you had Jose Rijo who was able to go deep into games, and he, I think aside from the obvious of what he did. Um, He helped those guys as much as anybody because the days he pitched, they rested. And it set them up for the next two or three days. And without that, none of this stuff works. So you need starting pitchers uh, to enhance your bullpen. You know, in today's world, uh, more guys are becoming relievers much early with better stuff. So you're getting more and more guys like that. And I think that cycle will change at some point. You know, I I think the value of starting pitching is is the really good quality starters is going to go up because you have to have guys on that staff when you're playing as many games as we do that can take you deep into a game to set up the bullpen for the other days. And if you don't have that, a lot of this stuff can come apart pretty quickly. And, you know, you're going to have injuries, you're going to have lack of performance due to fatigue and, and things like that. So the starters do come into play. And I think starting pitching, makes a good bullpen uh, as much as the guys that are out there.
0: And for those who don't remember, the 1990 Reds went wire to wire, first place from opening day to the end of the season. Then they beat the Pirates in the NLCS and the heavily favored Oakland A's in the World Series in a four-game sweep. The Nasty Boys were Rob Dibble, Norm Charlton, and Randy Myers. That's your history lesson for today. Luis Severino got proactive in putting his second-half fatigue issues behind him. As you might guess, that involves changes to his diet and workout regimen. Severino gave us the details in a session with reporters Wednesday morning. Luis, when you mentioned, uh, I think the other day, about doing some things to improve your stamina throughout the course of the season, what are some of the things you were, you've were you been trying to do for that?
3: Like I said, I said earlier, uh, my diet, it was, it's a big part, uh, you know, uh, nutrition, you know, uh, like I said, when I came from, you know, we just eat anything we see in the fridge. Let's say fried, even fast food, but, you know, eating more vegetables or uh, stuff like that, uh, get your body going faster, even, you know, uh, recovery fast. So that's my, my one of my main stuff, also, you know, my workouts. Uh, Avoid doing a lot of weights, maybe more, a lot of, more tight, just, you know, running a lot and, and and getting my you know, stretching on. When did you start
0: that whole transition?
3: Uh, I think uh, two or three weeks after the season was over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did Can you do that on your own or did somebody help you with it? I talked to uh, the traditional here in the Yankees. It, she helped me a lot. Uh, also I talked to some nutrition in DR. Uh It's not, it's, it's not easy, it's tough, <laughs> real tough. Know, I really hate uh, eating vegetables and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah. What's use something...
2: Yeah.
3: I use like, I would say 12 to 15 pounds. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you feel the difference? Do you feel better? I, yeah, I feel lighter, way lighter. Mm-hmm.
1: What
3: so, kind of things do they have you eating? A lot of vegetables. Yeah. A lot of vegetables, not, nothing fried, even uh, a lot of sugar, you know. And I just drink a lot of water.
0: <clears throat> What's something that you don't eat anymore that you really wish you could?
3: Anything that's fried. (laughs) (laughs) I just love fried chicken. I love even, you know, where the stone is. Mm -hmm. It's like fried plantain. I love that. So now I can eat that. (laughs) When did you realize at
1: the end of last year that you were kind of feeling that fatigue that you kind of want to get rid
3: of? I mean, when you are, you know, in the finish line, we say, and you feel like you need more than, than, like, five days to, you know, be like ready, you know that. You know, stuff going on. You are getting a little bit tired, but uh, my my body was great. You know, uh, I was feeling not, you know, not tired, tired, but you know, your body will tell you uh, what's going on.
0: Severino's in good spirits, even with the arbitration hearing coming up for him. Word from John Heyman earlier Wednesday that the Yankees have explored a contract extension with Severino, who is arbitration eligible for the first time this year. The Phillies on Wednesday signed Aaron Nola, their first year, ARG, AR, their first year ARB eligible ace, to a four-year, $45 million contract, and that takes him through one year of free agency. That's a good barometer if you're Severino, although it's not known where the numbers are for either side at this point, so we'll wait to see how that one plays out more coming up from yankees camp in tampa along the way you can find me on twitter at yankees wfan for some daily updates on instagram at sweeney underscore Murdy, i'll try to make that worth your while remember only two e's in sweeney and look for columns and podcasts on wfan.com thanks for listening that's all for now from tampa i'm sweeney Murdy. this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news.